California. Where are you? Woo! We are live. Santa Barbara. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. So we're close in name, uh, but I wouldn't walk to your house. <laughs> so the uh, the books. Yeah, let's talk about that. So in terms of leadership, um, when you're helping leaders miraculously grow to amazing heights of their teams, what books do you recommend? Uh, what books should I pick up for my Audible? I went through this phase when I was younger, reading every single leadership book I could get my hands on. And then for some reason I stopped and I started diving into other books. So ones that I think have had an impact on me over the years because they got me thinking differently. Um, a big one was Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and not because I, I actually follow it, but it kind of blew my mind at the time. And I thought, Oh, there is a different way to work. So that, that was a good one. Uh, True that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what's on there. Oh man, I read this really good book. What the heck was the title of it? And it was this guy that talked about the impact of poverty on IQ. And ah. it, it was such a powerful book. I'm going to think of the title in a second because uh, it, it really blew my mind. And it's one of the rare books I read twice. So when it pops into my head, I'll remember wow. that. But this guy gave a TED talk. And, and what you realize is that kind of stress in your life actually reduces your IQ. So that was sort of mind blowing uh, when I when I read that book, and let me think of the third one that I think has been really good. Oh gosh! While you so think of that, what'll be awesome too, everybody who's listening is yeah. all of these links will be in the landing page in the resource section. So once once she does think of it, will be added to. We'll also add the TED talk because um, I, I love going to the TED talks and hearing more from the author and like how they put their voice to it. So that'll be cool. Uh, did you have a third book you wanted to go into? I'm going to think of it. I, I, it's funny. Like I, I haven't read actually Walter Isaacson is I the love this biographer. Answer. Yeah. His book is great. I really enjoyed his book on Leonardo da Vinci. It was really insightful. Gives you a really cool insight into Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, I'm reading his newest one on Elon Musk. He's such a wonderful author and he takes you right inside someone's mind. So uh, all of his books are great, but those are two that I really enjoyed as well. That's awesome. Okay. Those are deep. Um, you know, we, yeah. we normally get like, you know, rich dad, poor dad and think and grow rich or, or something that's, that's super common. But I really, really enjoy that. Um, the first book you mentioned for our work week, um, I did the four hour read for that, like or rather the four minute read version. I read the first two chapters like this is amazing, new, rich, awesome concept. Thank you for the book. Right. And I and I moved <laughs> moved on. I was like, I can apply this. Um, so, that yeah, I can't I can't recommend that book enough for helping people shift their mindset from wow, there's one dynamic way to, to do life. You have to work 80 to 100 hours per week and, and do the corporate thing. Or, whoa, look at how Tim Ferriss has, has done things and uh, had his cake and he ate it too or eats it too. Anyway, we'll be right back after the break and we'll dive right into Taryn's story and vision. All right, welcome in to Vision Pros Live. With Jackson Callum, I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up, Vision Pros? Welcome in to another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Taryn Boguette on the stage today. Uh, she works with CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders on helping them build excellent teams. And we even she even uses the word miraculous, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, so how to create 
miraculously great teams. We'll be talking about that in just a bit. Uh, before we dive into her story, though, and and what what her methodology is, how she does things, we're going to dive into the sponsors. Um, so we've got the the Wellness Shop 365 from Sean Lechuga. And the Wellness Shop 365 focuses on integrative nutrition, health, and wellness. And what really struck me about their vision was the fact that they've got this 365 Wheel of Life. And the 365 Wheel of Life helps one to think through what what's your level of joy right now? What's your spirituality? What, what about your creativity, your home cooking? It fascinated me that uh, a wellness professional not only cares about the diet, the exercise, um, you know, and the supplements, but also is diving into, you know, what do you want most out of life? And what's really cool is Taryn, her focus on helping CEOs and leaders uh, ultimately has that same effect. She's, she's bringing up questions like, um, you know, what, what do you want to do to maximize your life? Um, one of the questions she asks is, what are you most excited about doing in life? And what would it take for you to fully step into that? If I were you, I'd, I'd consider writing those down and journaling those today. Um, that we can think through intentionally how to maximize your own life. Then there's thelostspot.com with Melissa Gray. She was actually on our podcast. That's how I met her. And I was shocked to find an attorney who I wasn't intimidated by. Um, somebody who could easily intimidate me if she chose to, but at the same time was so nurturing in her nature and explained concepts so simply. I was like, wow, she really practices what she preaches in terms of making sure that legal is not complicated for entrepreneurs and business owners, specifically small business owners and medium-sized businesses. So if you do not have somebody on retainer right now and do yourself a favor, if in your head you're saying like, of course I have somebody on retainer because you're used to, to reacting like that as an entrepreneur protecting yourself. Remember, it's okay. 95% of the entrepreneurs I've worked with, I can almost guarantee you did not know who to turn to for legal counsel until the last minute when it becomes very expensive to find somebody. I would encourage you to at least uh, reach out to her, get to know her and see what she's up to, what she might have to offer. In addition to the great templates that most of us start with and use through things like Crocodoc or LegalZoom. Um, so with that said, uh, we're gonna dive into the water project as well. And I will never take for granted. Um, and this is my way of not taking for granted stuff. Um, I'll never take for granted the fact that this water bottle right here that I have um, is so easy for me to get. There are millions of people in this world who don't have access to clean drinking water. And whether it's the children that have to skip school to go get water for the school and the community, um, or it's the parents who have to leave work and go find a source of water or the grandparents, uh, it, it just, it simultaneously breaks my heart, but also allows me to step into my best self and help out by remembering that these kids celebrate water like it's Christmas day. Um, and when we have the opportunity to contribute to one of these programs, the Water Project shows you what community you're contributing to. Um, you actually get to select it and then you get to see the outcome as well. And when somebody uh, goes from finding unsafe, you know, potentially unsafe sources of water miles away to having a well or a sand dam right by their home, it can dramatically affect their life for generations to come. And you have the ability to make that impact now. If you don't have the ability to give to the water project, my request would be to simply trust yourself enough to share the message, share the link um, with your audience or a friend, let them know about it. You never know. You might inspire them to give $10,000 to the project and complete a couple of these wells for people 
and uh, the the awesome impact that will have for decades on people um, is is something worth meditating and pondering on. So without further ado, um, I'm going to bring up Taryn's website. Uh, let me do that because her branding is super on point. I absolutely love the effort she's gone into defining uh, what what is she's bringing to people. Um, so some of the the factors that I wanted to key in on were, you know, how does it work? Transformation coaching for CEOs, organizational effectiveness consulting with CEOs, innovative project consulting, transformative executive team retreats as well and leading those. And of course, if you go to her website, you break down each one of these categories, you'll be able to find out more. But from defining her approach to also understanding the value of her presence and how she uh, how she embodies leadership through her cadence um just absolutely impressive so um i'm gonna i'm gonna stop raving about her and bring her on stage now taryn welcome to vision pros live oh thank you jackson so much for having me i'm excited to be here absolutely um what, let's dive right in what's what's your vision for those that you serve taryn Always, I am thinking about how can I bring all of my heart to help this person on their journey. That that's always in the back of my mind is helping them on their journey with anything that I have that would be useful to them. Often, what I find the universe match makes me with is people that need help in their careers. And whether I'm sitting on an airplane next to someone who's having a career crisis, or just uh, people that I consult with or just friends and family, it, it seems to be that that's where the universe likes to put me is in places where I can really help people see their genius and tap into that thing that excites them and move in that direction. So when I think about serving people, it's what do they need on their journey? And, and often that is the thing that I feel like I can help the most with, but it's certainly not the only thing. I love that. In fact, um, my humble opinion, what I've what I've found out of life is when I've focused my life on serving others, or in this case, I think this is one of the best ways you can serve people is if I were to focus every day on helping people see their genius, hence the happiness, hence the aura um, that I see in front of me. So Vision Pros, you have the opportunity to do the same, help people find their genius as you do so. Um, you know, you, you can make some amazing impact. In fact, what what would you say if somebody were to want to step in and do that for others, Taryn, what would be your secret starter kit? How do you do that? How do you help somebody find their genius? Oh, that's a great question. First of all, intent. You need intent that this is what you intend to do. I, I intend to help them see something inside of them. They may not be able to see themselves, see their greatness, see their genius, see their uniqueness. Intent will guide a lot of focus. So I would, I would start there. You have to want that. And I think the reason I'm probably skilled at it is number one, I, I want that because I enjoy it. I find passion in it and it, it allows me to get better and better at doing it and more and more intuitive and faster and faster. Uh, and so if I was going to coach someone, I'd say intent, do you want to do that? Is that something that excites you and lights your fire? If so, you know, great, because there's a lot of wisdom that can be channeled through you to help somebody else. And then the second thing is, that. Uh, really setting aside what you think someone needs and being a really clear channel to really tap into their soul, their spirit, their heart, and to hear and feel and see what the essence of someone is and bring that forward and use your conversation and ideas to help kind of stoke that. Maybe it's a tiny little flame, turn it into a roaring fire. Wow. That is huge. Um, the, this, 
you actually just refined my own process with that with mm. with that reality right there. Um, I would have I would have answered questions, asking questions, but when you add intent in addition to it, make sure that you're you're focused on that and setting our selfish natures aside. We do have selfish natures, uh, you know, and, and maybe anybody is welcome to argue with me on that. But as a baby, when we come out, <laughs> we need oxygen, we need food, we need water, um, you know, and, and babies are beautiful and they're awesome, but they need, they have needs. We isn't, we still have needs as human beings. And we sometimes, uh, you know, 24 hour rule for an argument with somebody, we're usually just hungry or tired um, when we get on edge. So if I'm thinking about what I want to gain out of the person and my intent is not to let go of my needs, let go of my own disposition. And I don't break into, well, what might they want? Then my questions aren't going to be on point as, as much as if I were to think through what their needs were. You had a thought. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think what you said, though, about asking questions is a really key part of this, because that when you think about someone's genius, like what, what is that, right? Or where, where does genius start? And genius always starts with the energy of excitement. And so the questions that I ask are always trying to find that thread of excitement inside somebody. And sometimes it's easy. It's kind of right on the surface. And sometimes it is really behind <laughs> very thick stone walls and you've got to really get in there. And so those questions are the kind of questions that bring out that energy of excitement. And when you can kind of latch onto it in someone and then ask more questions to stoke that, that, that is really how you find someone's genius. Absolutely. That's, that is so cool. Let's talk about your personal vision now. Um, what, what's your vision for yourself? I've gone through so many phases in my career, and I think the earlier phases were very me focused. What do I want in my career? How do I get promoted? How do I get these kind of clients or this or that? This later chapter of my career is much more focused on kind of everybody else. Like, how can I bring all of this to serve everyone else on their journey to help them be the greatest versions of themselves, to help them uh, achieve more than maybe they thought possible or to step into an excitement that really creates this deep fulfillment in their life. And so my vision for myself is really to be service of service in that way to everybody else and kind of create as many fires around the planet as I can inside people's hearts. Awesome. I love it. Uh, that's that's uh, something that I've seen uh, a lot more leaders. I, I've seen more leaders stepping into it in the last 10 years and it's not because I don't think it's because more are doing it per se. Um, it's not like the past four years, you know, people didn't care. But we have so much public visibility due to the online world uh, where you can see what people are up to. And the one who you remind me of, actually, that, that I thought of was Chip Conley. Chip Conley, uh, who wrote Peak and who ran Joy de Bois um, and was on the board of uh, the board of directors for Airbnb in the early days of, of it launching. And He's moved to Austin, Texas from San Francisco, and he's opened this like man tribe thing um, for men who are trying to looking for purpose, I believe, after they've they finished their career. They're kind of stepping into that zone um, that, that you're stepping into. And it's it's awesome to see people making that type of a shift where they're driving more balance to the world. And in years past, you know, for, back to our work week. I think a lot of people, you know, there's a very common phrase that came up, which was uh, nobody says on their tombstone, I wish I had worked more. Um, 
you know, and, and so I think it seems like more people are gravitating towards realizing like, you know, there's, there's more to this life. Why don't we figure that out? Have you seen a similar trend or have you seen the opposite? Oh, a hundred percent. And I would definitely call it a trend. I think you're really on point here. And it's funny, I've been spending a lot of time on LinkedIn lately and you really see that at every level in the organization, people just pulling back a little bit because it has been this workaholic culture. And I live in California where it is especially workaholic. And I think people are realizing I need some balance in my life. I want to create more joy. I want more memories. I want to travel. I want to have hobbies. And it's not that they don't care about their work. They still care very deeply. It's just trying to find some balance in their life. And I, I think that's a trend amongst every layer in the organization. Awesome. Uh, well, it's a good trend. Let's keep it up, everybody. Um, you know, let's keep yeah. aiming for that balance and and looking at what's what's most important in life. Um, not dictated by me, not dictated by Taryn, but within yourself. Um, you know, what what do you feel? What do you see? Um, what, what's yeah, hiding in the purpose? The truth, too. I mean, and this is a sort of a an intuitive truth is that when you're really excited about something, you want to work on it. You're jazzed. It provides this fuel of fire in you to keep going, yeah. and the thing is that when you, you can't be in that excited energy forever at that pace. It's usually at the beginning of something when you're all jazzed mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. So it's not like life is this, you know, constant, you know, I'm just balanced all the time. I mean, sometimes there's these peaks and these valleys. I mean, I just came off of taking some time off from, from my work. I just needed a deeper recharge. And so, and yet here I am all fired up coming out of that. Um, I, I wouldn't say hitting it hard, but in a way hitting it hard because I'm fired up about it right now. And yeah. so it's not constant, but when we're working and there's not that excitement present, that's where burnout comes from. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Taylor Welch talks about clean energy and dirty energy um, and how both of them are, are really important. He describes for, uh, dirty energy as a hype song to get you ready to get on stage or to go perform at a trade show, um, you know, in, in a rah-rah session. And it's meant for your sprints in life. And clean energy is one in which, uh, you know, it's it's drinking your water for the day. It's getting, it's walking, taking a walk around the block, getting some sunshine. It's going up to a random stranger, giving them $5 and walking away, um, you know, and, and uh, or, you know, a street corner, giving away a Nutri-Grain bar or a bottle of water to somebody who, who needs it. And that's your marathon style energy. Um, and when he, when, he, when he put it that way, I was like, whoa, I'm, I can now teach this. Um, and I couldn't teach it before. It was just something that was part of, of who I was and like how I do things. And when you live with that purpose, you, you do gravitate towards an ability to sustain, but we're not talking about grind, right? That's difference. We're, we're not talking about staying in that, in that dirty energy at all times and dirty energy is not a bad thing. It's just the title that they use to describe the difference in the two types of energy sources that we have. But some people confuse fun and happiness, two very, very different realities, both important fireworks show versus fantastic day. Um, you know, there's there's different elements, different timings. And when we learn to see that and appreciate that in the world, um, you know, we can usually appreciate the world more when the fireworks shows not going versus being disappointed that the fireworks show, show is over. Speaking of a fireworks show being over, diving into the darker um, side of this conversation, what would you say is your worst leadership experience ever? You know, funny enough, it was probably my own. 
So uh, you, sometimes you, have these, you have these moments where they are so they are so profound that they shape you for the rest of your life. And lucky for me, this happened when I was, I think, 16. And even at a young age, I always did leadership stuff in school. I was captain of my soccer team. And I think I was a junior. This is my junior year of high school. And we had the most terrible coach. I mean, she was embarrassing. I mean, she wasn't a great soccer coach, but she was just really embarrassing on the sideline. She'd throw her clipboard down and make this big scene, just really not very classy. And I was really upset by this. And rather, I'll tell you what I should have done, but I'll tell you what I did do first. What I did do was I complained about it to my whole team. And I was the team captain sitting here complaining to everybody about how horrible this coach was. And kind of creating a negativity spiral around it, because of course everyone agreed. And and so we just got in this negativity complaining spiral about how terrible our coach was. And some of this got back to her. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how, but I'm some way. And you know, she pulled me sure. aside and called me out on it. And I had this moment where I thought, oh my gosh, this was not my highest integrity as a leader of this team, as a team captain. And it was a very defining moment of when you're a leader at any level, you can't let somebody else dictate how great you are. And that's what I was doing. I was letting her behavior determine how I showed up. And, and, and I was really unhappy with myself in that number one, for not being a good leader on my team and being more positive. And number two, not modeling of like, forget what she's doing. What are we doing? <laughs> and we're going to be successful regardless of what she's doing. And that would have been the opportunity to provide better leadership. So I've carried that lesson with me forward through all these years of it doesn't matter how great or terrible your boss is or the CEO of a company is, how successful are you going to be? Don't let them determine your success. You determine your success. You determine your leadership. And even if you can't stand the person that you are under, if you will, uh, don't, don't let them determine how brightly you shine. That was my lesson. Wow. As a huge lesson, mm -hmm. uh, it took me till mm -hmm. at least, at least my mid twenties. I was trying to find that spot and I was like, oh, I was probably 19. No, I was probably 20. No, uh, I just yeah. kept going through. I was like, man, it took a long time for me to pick up what you're putting yeah. down right now. So, I mean, I, 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 I maybe I sound like a saint in this story. I have had certainly moments over my career where I had to pull myself back and remind myself of, of that younger terror that, that learned that lesson. Cause yeah. I have, I have not been perfect, but I, I do think about it often. You know, well said, and I'm glad you I'm glad you bring that up because uh, a lot of leaders in the world are I don't think they're scared to bring that up. I just don't think they know how to bring up the reality that most of the audience benefits so much when they see us fall on our face, when they see us, you know, be human. Um, and it's not because it's like, oh, you know, and a lot of the world will make fun of it. You know, it's it's fun to make jokes. You know, it's so easy to make a meme these days. And so people do it. And I think most people who make them, they don't have the intent to be evil. They're just seizing the opportunity to be a little movie producer, um, you know, or to, to be a little producer of something that people care about and find uh, attractive, if you will. Um, but when Tiger Woods, uh, when I saw him golfing and he was right by the green and he he hits the ball and it goes boom, it goes all the way to the other side of the green off of it. And I'm like, he does it, too. And then he went to chase it down, you know, and he does it. He did it again. And then he did it again. He did it three times in a row. And I was like, oh, I don't feel so bad. I was like, I, I always watch the highlights and see these guys hit perfect shots. I don't see when they make their mistakes. But as soon as I saw him make his mistakes, I wasn't like, oh, he's a terrible person. Look at him. He doesn't know how to play. He got all the trophies in the world. But it gave me a chance to feel like I belong on the golf course. 
Maybe people would disagree with that. But nonetheless, I feel better about my opportunities to rise up and try. So what's your best leadership experience look like? You know, it's so hard sometimes to own our greatness, but it's such a great question because it requires us to do that. Honestly, the the one of the one of the best was actually quite recent. Um, I got called in to help a company with a pretty dramatic turnaround. This company was r really about to fail, and it was owned by a private equity firm, or it still is actually owned by a private equity firm. And they called me in sort of as a hail mary to help the CEO and the team. And it, it was clear that the CEO wasn't the, the right fit. Um, and so there was a transition there, but I pulled the team together and we did an offsite and I led this offsite for three days. And it, it was an incredible experience to be the leader of that, where I had to get this whole executive team redirected on a new strategy, shifted in their energy, and working together in a way that they hadn't before. And it took it took 30 years of experience for that moment to be able to do that and to, to allow the new foundation to be built for this turnaround. And, you know, they are doing much better. I mean, there's still a, a road in front of them, but they're doing much better. But I felt like it brought everything I had together in a singular three-day offsite retreat to be able to help that team. That is Amazing, and and here's why. Um, it, I don't know. I don't always use these words to describe the answers of the people who are on the show. By the way, um, I'm not a big fan of hyperbole. Like I'll, I'll I'll pull what I need to out of what's there. But these are super core concepts to practices that that we model at First Class Business. And what it sounds like to me is Patrick Lencioni and his book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It sounds like he shadowed you and wrote the book about you. Um, have you read that book before? Gosh, years ago I did. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So, okay. He didn't write the book about you then. Um, but you've <laughs> emulated and, and implemented that system. In fact, we, like we're so dedicated to the concept of what you just said, um, you know, and, and bringing the team members together, um, making sure that we're, we're accounting for what opportunities we have. I'm going to showcase uh, thank you, Cynthia, by the way, shout out to Cynthia who helped me design this, but the five dysfunctions of the team concept include taking a team from a low performance situation and inspiring them and helping them to get to a high performance uh, position of collaboration, which includes debate and healthy conflict. And I love that he breaks down these concepts of uh, this, this basically this pyramid and base of if you don't have trust, you can't establish healthy conflict, you'll have fear of it. If you don't have healthy conflict, you won't have a true sense of commitment. And you've got to have accountability into this process. You've got to, if you want to drive high end results too, you've got to have commitment to it as a team. And the left side represents the symptoms of, and seeing, okay, if my company is going around problems, not confronting tough issues, or we have lack of trans transparency, that means that we're in the low performance team category, the dysfunctional team. But if we're seeking input from each other without politics or confronting problems, developing practical solutions, then those are symptoms and signs that we are functioning as a high performance team. Um, so uh, you, you decided to go to that retreat. And that's the part of the book where if you haven't listened to that book, I highly, re we, we recommend it so much that every single employee and team member who joins first class business, that is required reading or required listening on audible for the first week, you, you cannot work with our company. If you don't listen to that, because 
you will not be ready for the culture that, that we've set up. Um, you, you won't know how to perform in it because 99% of companies out there have fairly dysfunctional operation styles. That's, that's my personal opinion and take. Um, so these retreats, what, what do you do at the retreat that helps people, you know, move forward? Is it, is it beer pong all day, all night? Wouldn't that be fun? The, the, thing, <laughs> Wait, that, um, the thing about offsites, executive team offsites or any team offsite, uh, or longer format team meeting, whether it's a day or a couple days or is it's really about energy management. And you've got to think of it as, as a facilitator like that, which is, what's the energy I need to set in the room to accomplish what we need to get done? And depending on what you need to accomplish is the energy that needs to get not just set, but maintained over the day. And when, in this particular case, these were long days, this team had a, you know, a big distance to go in a short amount of time. And they were long 10, 12 hour days, just by the time you had breakfast and wrapped up at dinner. And sustaining that kind of energy over that long is is crucial to to getting the results that you want. So people don't think about this or talk about it, but it really is about energy management first and foremost, more than anything. So just to give you an example, every morning before I start a retreat, uh, we set intentions and they're not like, I hope that today this and that these are like commands of the universe. I intend that today we are going to have genius shine through us and we're going to have solutions to our problems like I intend this. They're powerful commands. And yeah, no, so you command it. <laughs> and that's how we start every day. And everybody does it for themselves. And and I set them to, actually, I should even take a step back. Before that happens, I set the energy in the room before anyone even walks in. Because every space has kind of the lingering energy from what was there before. And, and it's important to clear that energy out of a room and to call in the energy that you're wanting. And then everybody walks in the door kind of in a vibe that I want them in. And then we start the day with that. And then depending on what we need to get done today, we'll determine kind of the next activity I start with. Often it's a creativity exercise because a lot of times my offsites need some kind of creativity element to them. You know, whether it's brainstorming strategies or thinking through ideas or this or that. Uh, and so we'll spend, you know, 30, 40 minutes on a creativity exercise because you got to warm up the brain. You can't just dive right into creativity. You got you to warm up. And, and then often uh, in the, you know, sort of throughout the day, another way I manage energy is, pausing and we sometimes we do exercises just to kind of move the body because it's a lot of sitting but um just i call it kind of high-end manifesting where you imagine that the thing you want is already done the success that we're looking for has already happened on some timeline in the universe and if we can align to that timeline of success already being done then everything just kind of flows a little easier so a lot of times my exercises are about getting in that energy where it's already done success is already here and it just creates more flow not in even not just in the offsite but in after what happens so those are kind of energy management tips. And then there's all the, you know, the agenda, the exercises and stuff, depending on what we're trying to achieve. But that is where the magic is. That is awesome. High end manifesting. That is, that is so cool. No wonder you achieve miraculous transformations with individuals that, that makes a lot of sense. And so what I also hear you saying is, um, you know, there's this, there's a saying that I'm not a big fan of, um, but it led me to a, to incubate a new saying, it was uh, strong opinions loosely held, um, which to me feels sounds irresponsible. But I like the idea of strong opinions delicately held, um, you know, where you're, you're taking care of that opinion still. You're not just going to drop it on accident. Um, with your case, you have a framework. You have you have certain ideas and structure that's there. And it sounds like you're not but you're not like rigid about how the retreat runs. You you have the ability to mold and shift 
based oh, man, on you can't wait. Right? <laughs> yeah. You can I mean, I have an agenda. It it's minute by minute. Yeah. Go oh, on. I have an agenda before the retreat starts and it's minute by minute. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to achieve. And then of course, once it starts, <laughs> this is where the loosely held comes into place. You've <laughs> got to flow where the energy is. Sometimes the team is on such a roll with something. In this particular case, I was just talking about it. There was a reorg that was needed as part of this transformation and they were on such a roll. And the problem they were trying to solve was actually quite complicated. And I allotted, I want to say an hour, it took six. And yet the end was this sort of brilliant new design. Uh, and had I stopped at the hour, we would have never gotten there. And and yet that framed every every other success they had after that. So yeah, <laughs> it's, you might say it's a rigid agenda loosely held or a rigid design of an agenda loosely held. <laughs> I like that. Um, I, I believe that most of the best of the best of the best actors follow the same type of um, acting. That's why they get the parts over and over is they have the ability to improv, but they're not always improving and throwing off the rest of the cast. They know when to do it and they have the ability to pull that out when it's uh, when the opportune moment arises and they're good at balancing when that happens. We do the same thing as leaders. Um, before we go into your most powerful lesson that, and again, I want you to think of the, if this is a last chance you had to share a powerful lesson with visionaries ever, um, then, then what would be the one they could learn from your experience? But before we go into that, um, to, in terms of your teams, if you're listening in, you're like, man, I can't drive miracles in my team. You know, if, if you're kind of at that position where you've lost hope and some of these circumstances, I want you to remember that that's the point of of going from the rigid nature to understand, like, like maybe you need to take a step back on this. Um, and I'll give a couple examples. If you drive, if your team is 30 people who work in a coal mine, um, you know, honor the fact that their job, what they do for a day-to-day -day basis is not driven around creativity. In fact, they're probably told not to be creative, right? You're supposed to, you're supposed to follow protocols and stay safe. And so if you're, if you're driven by protocols and staying safe every single day, uh, then it's going to be a little bit harder to dive into your creative side. You're going to need more nurturing. You're going to need more inspiration and maybe nurturing comes in the form of a beer. Um, you know, maybe nurturing comes in the form of, uh, you know, bringing a football, um, you know, and, and throwing that around for a little bit first, you've, that's where the intentionality that Taryn talks about is so important is looking, thinking, feeling, okay, maybe they're not going to want to start with a meditative yoga session, um, with this group, but maybe again, think through your mind, your heart, your gut, what is it telling you about how can I incorporate this so that my people can gain their next step in intentionality, not necessarily become Gandhi or Buddha tomorrow. Powerful lesson. What powerful lesson would you share with us, Taryn, that, that, uh, you know, this is the last chance that we can learn from. This one took me a while to learn. Uh, and I have been a student of leadership since I was very small. It's just been a passion of mine. Huh. And yet this lesson came in a very unexpected way, more on my spiritual journey than my leadership journey. And it is this lesson of when we are the most energetically powerful we can be within, we hold the space for everyone to come match us or meet us. And so this is actually related in a way to what I was saying at the offsite. It's when I can hold the energy in a certain way, it makes everybody else come up and match me at that energy. And the more powerfully I hold it, the easier it is for them to match me. 
And so as leaders, we're often thinking about, you know, all the things we've got to get done, all the people we have to serve and the strategy and the budgets and the boards and the this and the that. But at the end of the day, what actually makes a great leader is the ones that can hold their energy really strong and let everyone match to that. And so if what you're wanting is a great team, you've got to hold the energy of greatness and excitement and success within you because everyone will come match up to that. And, uh, I could go deep with this concept. I mean, what I always say is that, that leaders, it's a holographic experience. If you take a CEO, the organization is a hologram of that CEO. You see all of the issues and dysfunctions of the leader show up in the organization somewhere and all of the greatness and the genius and all of that also show up. So if you want your organization to be great, be a more healed hologram, <laughs> you know, a version of yourself so you can be the hologram can also be more healed. And so when we can get really healthy within ourselves, we can hold a really high vibration within ourselves. We can hold the energy we're wanting everyone else to have. That is power. That's huge. I could let you go on that for hours. Yeah, that's um, deep. That, was deep. <laughs> that is super deep. Uh, everybody is listening. And what that reminds me of is Tony Robbins. Um, and there's actually, there's actually two leaders that came to mind and realizing, okay, there's like with all, opportunities for energy, there's a, you can use it for good and you can use it for bad. Fire is an example of that, right? This fire right here, this flame does not hurt me to touch um, and utilize. But, uh, you know, if, if I leave a candle irresponsibly, you know, in, in a room and it melts and knocks over and burns my house down, that energy can, can ruin my life, so to speak. Um, Tony Robbins represents that great energy to me of somebody who holds his energy and, and, people gravitate towards it. Even when you're watching like the, the, I am not your guru on Netflix or whatever. It's like, you're there, you know, you, you can feel him through that scream. The other person who uses it, I love him as a human being. Um, I, I hope that he, I hope that he puts his methods in check a bit would be Grant Cardone. Um, who also it's, it's very hard to ignore the energy that he has and puts out there. Uh, and I see a lot of people gravitate towards that and put themselves in a position of subordination um, where they then get dictated what to do. And, you know, for Grant, it works. You know, like his power does work and it does drive people towards following him and, and doing what he wants them to do. Um, but as human beings, if we can if we can all learn to leverage that same energetic power, um, we can we can help people rise up now again i don't want to villainize um an individual that's not the goal but i would like to explore maybe going away from the two examples a little bit how do i how do i control my ability um you know or harness my ability is probably the better word to match to, to bring the, my best energy to the table taryn without suffocating the needs of somebody around me like if somebody had a relative pass away Right. I'm coming in with a vibrant energy and or somebody else has COVID in the company or somebody else has whatever else going on. How do you make space for other people's energies while maintaining your own super powerful presence? I think that's a great question. I think it's about not needing them to be anything other than what they are. I mean, if they're going through something and they're in a sad space. Do you need them to be different? <laughs> you know, no. uh, or, you know, does this moment call for them to be something different? Uh, it might, but it's, it's not, it's not needing people to be a certain way. 
it's trusting that when you're that way, they have free will to choose to match you or not. And just through sort of the vibrational laws of the universe, it will help them out of their funk when you're just in a good space. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many leaders always tell me, God, Taryn, at the end of this call, I just feel so much better because I do a lot of coaching. And they came in grumpy and they left, you know, feeling fabulous. And and it's it's purely because I, I held my energy constant. I didn't need them to change. They just changed to match me. And right. so that that's just kind of how it works. And so you hold space so for everybody. So is there space to, to cry with somebody with who, need, who needs a shoulder or is there not? Um, just to dive a little oh, bit deeper. For on sure. That. I mean, yeah. again, it's like, what what is the energy in the moment? I mean, sometimes the energy in the moment is compassion or sometimes it's vulnerability or sometimes it's admitting you were wrong and just being humble. I mean, these are all great energies, right? So it's, it's, it's for me getting clear. I was like, what does this moment need from me? <laughs> And how do I show up with that energy in a way that helps others, you know, just by kind of being with me in that. And there's been plenty of times when I've sat in front of my team and I admitted to something I made a mistake on, you know, and like, that's okay, because that's the energy of vulnerability. And it provides a moment for everyone else to be vulnerable too, right? So it's not always like the Tony Robbins, like rah, rah power, like the, that's a great energy because sometimes you need that. And, and there are moments when that is incredibly powerful. And sometimes you need to be soft and sometimes you need to be vulnerable. Sometimes you need to, you know, have a minute yourself and be sad. Like these are all okay. It's just getting clear for yourself, just knowing that wherever you're at, people are going to match you if you're holding a powerful field. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, that that is also one of those things I saw about Tony watching the I'm Not Your Guru is, is his ability when he was talking to people about uh, their their suicide, um, you know, attempts. Uh, his ability to to move towards his comfort and his compassion. And he's not perfect at it. He's not, he's not the perfect example in the world. I don't think anybody is, but there are, there are other leaders out there who we can gravitate towards watching as well and seeing how, how do they facilitate these different types of moments um, in order to meet people with that, that right energy. Any other, any other um, examples on the market that you would, you would kind of point to and say, I really like how, how they show up in that same, with that same fortitude that you're referencing. Oh man, the master that I know is Matt Kahn. And if you don't follow Matt Kahn, he is worth checking out. I think it's mattkahn.org. Uh, he's a spiritual teacher that. and he's a very heart-centered spiritual teacher. And he's certainly been someone I have uh, resonated with deeply over the last number of years. And he holds a powerful field of love. And when you're in his bubble long enough, you get right there too. And and yet he doesn't need you to be any which way. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for mm -hmm. that. That's huge. And mm -hmm. so uh vision pros you know if that's something that you're working on right now as a leader then again you've now got yet another person who's who, who you can watch what's going on what are they putting down you know what can you pick up from on that if there's other things that that you need to work on then maybe save it and bookmark it for later um i, I just pulled that tab open so when the right timing is it can can hit me i can dive in and, and intentionally play with that so looking at uh creating miraculously good leaders and teams um, do you have any final thoughts on that? Any other things you want to share about the process? What does that look like? What can, what can visionaries do right now? Other than of course, what we're going to have them do, which is we're going to give them the opportunity to go to your landing page, um, you know, in, in the show notes, go and see what resources you have and, and follow you, subscribe to your methods. Um, but right here and now, is there anything that you'd like to share about creating miraculously good leaders and teams? What I would say is I think there is truly genius and greatness inside of everybody. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that, just living life sometimes. And what makes the word, the reason I use the word miraculous is that when you can 
or when anyone can, whether it's a CEO, a leader, a leadership team, or you know, even the most sort of new person in the organization or most entry level, the, the principles are the same, which is when you can really tap into your heart, what you want, your excitement, your desire, and you can do that, um, that's what creates miracles, right? It's that energy of excitement that is the energy of miracles. It's, you know, when you're in that energy of excitement, doors start flying open. When you're in the energy of grumpy or angry or upset or, you know, slogging away, it tends to be when doors close. I mean, that's just sort of how the universe works. The wrong doors. So, <laughs> yeah. And if you want the doors to open, be excited. I mean, and really find it in your heart, not from a space of ego, but from a space of what is my soul excited about? Like what genuinely lights my body up in excitement and move from that space. And whether the excitement is, you know, in this moment, what's going to excite me is going for a walk or watching a movie or having dinner with friends, or it's, I'm going to launch this thing out in the world. It doesn't, every moment doesn't need to be some epic thing. It can be something quite simple. <laughs> and yet when you're in that energy, life will become a lot easier. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, you know, and, and, uh, to double down on that, yes, the, the windows of opportunities will, um, they're there. Um, you know, you're knocking and asking for it, whether you want to or not every single day with your actions, your thoughts, the way you behave. Uh, I come from a family, uh, my dad's side of the family, where if I chose to dive into my worst self, um, and I chose to start doing negative, you know, started diving into alcohol, started diving into drugs, a number of them would reach out to me and be like, Hey, come on over. Um, and I'll come hang out. Um, and that's what I mean. The, the bad doors would open. Um, there are people in your life, um, that, that will gravitate towards you based on the type of energy that you're, you're willing to put down. So if you find yourself in that situation, you may have a great opportunity to start saying, you know what, maybe I need to start closing my negative doors. Um, you know, maybe it's time for me to, to turn away from those and turn towards positive opportunities and look for people who can, who also are attracted to that and learn to respect their space more. It's a hard transition. Um, again, I, I had to make it from a young age, um, and, and grow out of it. Um, and it was, a it was a few decades long process. So it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're 60, doesn't matter if you're six years old, uh, you still have the same opportunities to decide what type of energy you want to hold in the world. And Taryn Boguette, um, for me, is obviously one of the best leaders you can go to um, and talk to you about the experience and find out more. So we'll have her resources in the show notes. Um, if you have a vision as well, if you've got a vision that's wholesome, that you want to get out to the world, and you know maybe you are the next Elon Musk or Melinda and Bill Gates. I saw that as one of your uh, your references, Taryn, of, of companies that you've worked with and SpaceX as well. Maybe you're the next Elon Musk and you want to share that on our stage. By all means, apply to be our guest on the page. And in addition to that, if your vision, you know, if you're like, man, my vision's small. I don't think anybody would care about it. I don't think Jackson would. Uh, -uh you're wrong. If it's wholesome, if it's positive, if it's uplifting one or two other people, we very well might bring you on stage to talk about it because, you know, all, all good, all good change, all people who have a vision to help others is something worth celebrating. And uh, I'd love to meet you. So uh, without further ado, Thank you guys for coming in for this episode. Taryn, thank you for being here today. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really great conversation, Jackson. Thank you. Absolutely. I'll see you on the other side. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time building out your vision.